Welcome to Passion Life Church. A brand new series. It's called Getting Your Life Back. I want you to turn to your neighbor real quick and say, I'm getting my life back today. How many of you, when you come to church, you come expecting God to do wonderful and great things? Let me see your hands. That's how we should come to church. You know, I just want to, before we dive in, I, you know, I heard two testimonies and I, and I want to just um, encourage you because we are believing that this is going to be a wonderful year, a year full of wonders. Jesus, Isaiah said, right, that, that his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God. And we're focusing on that one word, Jesus's name, Wonderful, it's the miraculous. And you know, uh, this last year and even yesterday or Thursday, uh, Thursday I had a young lady tell me that during communion last week, uh, she was on the stage, she was one of our singers. And what happened was during communion as she was taking the bread, remember we said that when we take the bread, that's Jesus's broken body for our healing. Well, she had some stuff going on in her mouth. Uh, one of her tooth was not doing good. She was pain, taking pain uh, meds, taking some Tylenol every day, she said. But she said when she took communion that Sunday, she said the pain went away instantly. That's, that's pretty amazing, huh? And then I had a, a, a gentleman in the church that was diagnosed with uh, a prostate cancer and um, he's believing and praying for a miracle. Well, he went to go get an MRI exam and they can't find any of it. And so, and the doctor said, well, just because the MRI doesn't show it doesn't mean that it's not there. But how many of you know Jesus says that by his stripes that we are healed. And so I just want to encourage you. I want to stir up your faith this morning to believe for wonderful things. Did you love that song? I, I, I love that song. Wonderful things. If you have your Bible, let's turn to Acts chapter 3 verse 19. We're starting this brand new series that we're entitling Getting Your Life Back. And really what it is, it's a series about recovery about restoration. And you're going to love this series. I, I just believe you're going to love this series because we're going to talk about restoration because I really believe that few people, even the, the children of God, really know about recovery and restoration. Anybody believing that 2020 is going to be a different year in a great way than 2019 was? And uh, I believe that 2020 is going to be a year of recovery, restoration, where there's going to be some divine things that are going to happen. But there's so many stories in the Bible about recovery, about restoration. And I'm believing that as we dive into this series, you're not only going to know about restoration, you're going to understand it. Why? So you can believe for it. Believe for it in your life. Why, Pastor Phil? Because you know why? All of us at some point in our, our life have suffered some type of loss. Maybe that is in relationships. You've gone through a divorce and you lost a marriage. That could even be in friendships. You lose friendships. Some of us have suffered loss, right, in our health. We've maybe lost peace. Some of us maybe feel like we have some regrets regarding some opportunities maybe that we just feel like didn't happen in the past. Maybe some of us have just lost hope. But here's the question. How many of you realize like me that life can be complicated? And a lot of times there's loss because, and we experience loss because of decisions that other people made right? It had, you had nothing to do with it. You were just involved and the decisions that they made actually affected your life. Then we experience loss. 
because of the decisions that we made. Anybody make any dumb decisions? Come on, anybody make any stupid decisions? We did. Thank God, right, that, that his mercies are new every day. So there's mercies today to cover your stupid for today. Come on, even if you make a dumb decision, there's new mercies. Anybody grateful for, for new mercies? But sometimes we experience loss just simply because we've made dumb decisions. Maybe we didn't have all the information. Maybe we didn't have the wisdom of God. And so we made different decisions that, that didn't help us move along. Now, sometimes we experience loss because of the decisions of other people and ours combined because the way we responded, we just didn't maybe respond the right way, right? And that's, we can experience loss that way. Now, let me tell you another reason why we experience loss. Sometimes we experience loss because the devil hates you so much and sees you moving forward, sees you coming to church, sees you trying to press into the things of God and he's not gonna have it. And so you know what he's gonna do? He wants to bring some loss into your life. But I wanna tell you today, no matter what the reason, God can restore and bring recovery to our lives today. Anybody believe that? That he can bring that to our lives today. And you know, life can be complicated, right? Relationships can be complicated. Our careers can be complicated. Finances can be complicated. Families can be complicated. And you know what? I, no matter what the situations are and decisions that we made, I'm believing that we are going to learn about what God's saying about recovery and restoration. And we're going to get our life back today. But here's what you need to know. And I think we know this, but I want to say it. We got to address the loss in our life. And I'll tell you why. Sometimes loss can happen in a day. And if we don't deal with it somehow, that day can turn into a week. That can turn into a month. That can turn into years. If we don't start to address this issue of loss and recovery and restoration. And I've just determined that whatever the enemy has stole in the past, the enemy will not steal anymore in my life in Jesus' name. Have you found Acts chapter three, verse 19? Let me set the stage, Acts chapter three. Peter is preaching, remember Peter? Peter was the guy that followed Jesus and he was like the big mouth of the group of the disciples. He would say things and Jesus was like, in the Phil Valdez translation, was like, shut up, Peter, right? You're saying stupid stuff, Peter, right? Jesus is saying, hey, I'm gonna go to the cross. And he's like, no, you're not gonna go to the cross. <laughs> Jesus is like, hey, I rebuke you, Satan, right? And then Jesus is asking the, uh, the disciples, who do you say I am? And then Peter has a revelation. You're the son of the living God. And then Jesus is like, yes, Peter. And, and so Peter was this guy who's kind of like off and on. And then when the pressure uh, hit, he made some bad decisions, denied Jesus. But he came to a place where he repented, got back. And I love this because now God is using him mightily He's standing before thousands of people on the precipice of the church that's starting and he's giving this message and he's talking about how we need to have faith in, in Jesus Christ and how important that is. And in this message, the Bible says 3,000 men would be saved and that doesn't count the, the women and children. So who knows how many that day responded to Peter's message and what we're gonna do Excuse me, we're going to dive into this message in Acts chapter 3, verse 19. And this is what Peter is saying in the book of Acts. In his message, he's saying, Repent therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing, everybody say, times of refreshing. 
Times of refreshings may come from the presence of the Lord. My church family, there is no refreshing that I have ever experienced, but like that is like the refreshing that comes from the presence of the Lord. I'm telling you what, I love going here. I love going on vacation. I love doing all that. I think those are good things, but I have never experienced anything like the refreshing that comes from the presence of the Lord. And I want that in my life. Verse 20, and that you may... And that he may send Jesus, who was preached to you before, and listen to these words in verse 21, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of his holy prophets since the world began. One translation says in Acts 3.21, it's the New Living Translation, says this, for he must remain in heaven until the time for final restoration of all things as God promised long ago through his holy prophets. I've entitled today, More Than Before, because I think that's what God's gonna do in our life. Here's what we need to know about restoration. Number one, restoration is a promise of God. It's a promise made to you. When God makes a promise of restoration to our lives, it is him giving his word to us. How many of you know his word never returns void? But few people know about this promise of restoration. And Peter is actually saying that Jesus came and he died for our sins. Not only did he die for our sins, but he rose again, right? And he went to heaven, right? He spent some time back on earth and then he ascended to heaven. And then Peter said, Jesus is coming back again. You know, I want to live with an awareness that Jesus is coming back again. And Peter says, Jesus is coming back again. But we live in this gap, the gap between Jesus ascending to heaven and the gap between him coming back to earth. And he said, there's going to be a period of time, which you and I are living in, where there is going to be restoration of all things. One translation says, Jesus is going to make everything right. Wow, Jesus is going to make everything right. And we are living in those times. You know, the Greek text actually says it this way because the New Testament was written in Greek. It says, everything that can be restored will be restored. Then Jesus will return. Then Jesus will return, right? And the Greek says it this way. Everything that can be restored will be restored. Then he will return. My church family, this is a New Testament, a New Testament promise. Now you see restoration all through the Bible. I mean, you look at Jesus, you want to know what Jesus is about? Read through the gospels. See, he gave people back their life. He gave people back things that they had lost. It's all through the Bible. But here's what I want us to do. I want us to embrace this promise of restoration in our life personally. I want it to, I want you this day walking out of here and going, you know what? I'm going to start to believe in this promise that God is going to restore to me the things that need to be restored. Can anybody believe that today? Now, I understand. I understand that loss can be painful. I understand that loss can be hurtful. And I know that loss can be devastated. I've had loss in my life. But here's what I want to encourage us today, right? Loss can keep you focused on the past. And here's what happens. If you don't embrace this promise, you can be living in the past. As we are moving forward, loss will keep you living in the past. I call it living at past, possessed, not future focused. 
right? Because the loss happened in the past. Here's what else loss can do. Loss can keep you in a prison. It can make you feel like you're always living without. You're missing something. I'm missing something. Pastor Phil, I am, I'm living at a, a loss. I'm lacking. Here's another thing that loss will do. Loss will rob you of your future. It'll rob you of your happiness and joyfulness that God wants you to have, right? And so we've got to look at our loss and we've got to address it. Now, I've heard people say, you don't understand, Pastor Phil. I've experienced so much loss. There's just no way out of this. We gotta be careful when we say there's no way out of this because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And when we say there's no way, you are actually taking Jesus out of the equation, right? But when we say, well, there's just no way, my Bible says that God can make a way where there seems to be no way. So I don't wanna hear any of this talk that we just say, well, there's no way. No, Jesus is the way and he's in your life so he can make a way. Sometimes loss can be so devastating that we begin to live in the past and our life becomes like a prison. We feel trapped. We feel like there's no options and it's going to try to rob you of your future. But my church family, I don't want to live in the past and I don't want to live like there's no promise because God has actually given us a promise. And he said, I will restore you. I will bring restoration to your life. So here's the truth. We can believe for restoration and get our life back, or we can just accept that we're going to live life at a loss all of our life. And I refuse to believe that. I refuse that I'm just going to live lacking. I refuse to believe that I'm just going to live at a loss. I'm going to get my life back. And how am I going to do that? Through the promise of restoration. Anybody going to believe that with me today? That there's a promise that we can latch onto. And when God gives me the promise of restoration, even though I had a lost, I haven't lost yet because I have a promise. Now, you may be here today and you may be down, but I'm going to tell you something. You are not out because God has a promise for your life. And even though I've had a loss, I'm not going to live my life like I'm lacking. I'm not going to live my life with a chip on my shoulder. I'm just not going to do it. I'm going to grab hold of this promise. Now, if you don't grab a hold of the promise... You won't get your life back. And let me tell you this, not only that, you won't get your life back, but you're gonna live lacking. And that is not God's will. Pastor Phil, is it God's will that I get my life back? Yes, and what life am I talking about? I'm talking about the life that Jesus came to give you. The Bible says in John 10, 10, God, Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. So I want that. That is God's will for our life. God wants to restore our lives. Pastor Phil, why does God want to restore my life? Well, I think a couple of reasons why. He wants to heal the hurt and the pain. You know, hurt people, if you've ever been hurt, if you ever had a dog that's been hurt, a dog that's hurt will bite its owner. Not because he hates the owner, but because he's hurt. And I started thinking about people that are hurt in my pastoral experience. Do you know when you're hurt, even the things you hear, you start to hear things through hurt. Even the people that didn't hurt you, if they say something, it triggers something in you because there's a hurt. There are things in me that don't trigger me anymore because my heart is healthy. So I'm not hearing through the lens of hurt. 
And that's why people get all defensive and they get all weird. And you're like, whoa, I was just, yeah, it wasn't you. It's because they're hearing through hurt because their heart in their heart is causing their ears to hear something that you maybe didn't say or your tone wasn't right. It had nothing to do with your tone, had nothing to do with you. It had everything to do with they are a hurt person. And I don't want you to be that person. I want you to be a healed person. I try to listen and go, am I hearing through the lens of healing? I don't want to be hearing through the lens of hurt and what this person is trying to take advantage of me. Because, you know, I had one person that took advantage of me. Now everybody's going to take advantage of you. Not so. Yeah, there's a couple evil people. But you know what? When I start looking back in my life at the evil people, I can count about four great people that I've met and had relationships with. Yeah, there's about four to one. But you know what? I'm not going to throw off the four people because there was one jerk. Come on, somebody. But he wants to restore you because we need to be healed. And how do I know if you're healed? If you're healed, you can talk about it. You can talk about it without like, oh, this happened to me. It actually has become a testimony to you, but God wants to restore us so he can heal the hurt and hear the pain, heal the pain. But let me tell you another reason why God wants to restore us. He wants us to restore, he wants to restore us because oftentimes children are a reflection of their parents and you are made in God's image. And so he wants his light to shine through you because he is light and in you is light because he is in you. So as a child of God, he wants his character, his nature to resonate through you. So when you are healed and you are experiencing wonderful things, what happens is people look at your life and they begin to go, oh, I don't know how that happened. It must be God. That's right. It must be God because there was no way I could do this. There's no way I could even heal myself, but God did a miracle in my life. So when he restores us, it gives him glory. It gives him glory, right? So we have a promise of restoration. And throughout this series, listen, I'm giving you today the chips and the salsa. My series are a lot like a meal. Today you're going to get, come on, some chips and salsa. And for us Hispanics, some queso fundido. Come on, somebody. Or like my white friends say, queso fundada or whatever. No, God help you. I'm gonna lay hands on you so you can speak in tongues, speak in Spanish. Come on, somebody. But today I'm giving you the chips, the salsa, and the guacamole. And I'm gonna actually outline in this series people, and I'm gonna show you things that how God restored them. But we have a promise. Say, I have a promise. All right, are you ready? So restoration is a promise. But here's number two. Recovery is a choice. Notice how, yeah, I got a promise. Recovery is a choice. Uh, yeah. oh, uh. Because God's going to do what he wants to do. But for me, I've got to make a decision to respond in faith to that promise. But let me just say this. As a pastor, I don't want to take people where they don't want to go. Now, I'm going to inspire people. Have you ever heard? The saying people say, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. Well, I've come back with a little bit of a different saying. You can lead horse to water, you can't make it drink, but I can stick salt in its mouth. So I'm going to go that extra, I'm going to stick some salt in that horse's mouth and maybe it'll lead it to drink. That's me inspiring you. But here's the thing. I'm not going to drag you along this year because you don't want to be recovered. Why would nobody want to be recovered, Pastor Phil? 
Oh, I have a couple of reasons. Do you want to hear them? Yes. And you know what? I was going to tell you anyway, whether you said yes or no. Can I tell you why some of us don't want to be recovered? Are you still love me if I tell you? Some of us don't want to be recovered because we like the attention we get and the sympathy that we get from not being recovered. Instead of getting positive attention, we go negative and we want people to always pat us on the back and coddle us. And let me tell you, at our church, I love you. I will reach out. We will do things. But at the end of the day, your recovery is a choice that you have to say, I will be recovered. I will be restored in Jesus' name. You know why people don't want to be recovered? Because it's easier to blame than to take responsibility. I'm going to say it on this side, and I'm going to say it this way. It's easier, are you ready, to blame than to take responsibility. Oh man, Pastor Phil, I've been gaining weight. It's all McDonald's' fault. It ain't McDonald's' fault. Man, they're making no fries so good. Pastor Phil, I'm gaining weight. It's Krispy Kreme's. It's Krispy Kreme's fault. That red light is on. Why are you looking at that red light? It's not Krispy Kreme's fault. It's not McDonald's fault. It's you're making bad decisions. But here's what we want to do. So we want to blame instead of maturing and getting past what we want to do or, or moving forward so it's so much easier. So that's why we just say, you know what? It, I'm just not going to recover because of the sympathy, because it's easier to blame than to take responsibility. And I'll tell you another reason why we don't want to be recovered, because it's easier to make excuses than make a change. It's easier to make excuses than to make a change, right? And so we place the blame on this person, on that person. Now, let me just tell you this. You may have suffered loss because of some things that you did and you know it. And let me shift gears here for a minute. And this is a different type of person because I've been here a couple times in my life. It was the decision that I made and I suffered loss. People suffered losses. Let me just tell you this. That's a hard place to get up from when you know you made the mistake. And I wanna encourage this person because I think one of the hardest things to do is forgive yourself. When you're, you're blaming yourself and you're like, Pastor Phil, it was my bad decision. I did do things, I can't get out of it. You're right, you can't get out of it alone, but with God, watch, he forgives you, so you need to forgive you, right? You need to get rid of the guilt, and you need to forgive. Listen, but I can't make up for what I did. You can't, but God can make up because there is a promise of restoration. Come on. And if they'll believe that and you'll believe that, we can't change the past, but you can't live in guilt of the past. You need Jesus to forgive you so you can get rid of that guilt, right? Let go of that guilt. Come on, somebody say, let go of the guilt. You know, Acts chapter three, verse 13, Peter says this, repent therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. Now, this word repent in the Greek is uh, metaneo. That's what it means, metaneo. That's how it sounds. And this is what it means. I want you to think about this word repent. And this is from the Greek language. It means this, to change your mind for the better, to think differently, to reconsider, right? Now, let me just I want to bring this into context. I grew up in church where you didn't repent 
unless you came down to the altar, okay? So let me just say this. This is how I grew up. I grew up in charismania. There was a lot of crazy things happening in church. I love growing up in that. It was great. But let me tell you my family's history, right? If they gave an altar call about repentance, number one, you didn't repent unless you came down, okay? So then the people came down. You didn't repent, number two, unless you were crying, okay? So if you weren't crying, and I'm being honest, I have an aunt that she came down and they would cry. So what happened was every Sunday you'd see people coming down, and here's what happened. They had prayer partners standing there. And if they didn't feel that you cried enough, guess what? You'd be like wiping your tears and you'd be walking over there and the prayer partner would be like, there's not enough snot. There's not enough tears. Get back down to the altar and cry. And so people are crying. And here's the challenge with that. You can cry your last tear, but never change your mind. And you can walk out of church with snot bubbles, tears all over the place, Kleenex coming out of both sides of your nose and go back to the same thing that you were in before. And the reason why you were crying was not because you were repenting. You were crying because you were sorry. You were sorry you got caught. Now listen, here's the thing. I'm all for remorse, but I know a lot of people who are sorry that things happen, but they go right back to the same thing. And here's why, because their mind did not change. And so repentance, true repentance is you can come down. Listen, I love, don't, don't walk out here and go, man, the pastor doesn't want us to cry at this church. No. Can I tell you, there's times where I'm preaching and people will tell me, cause I can't really see that well with the light in here, but they would say, they would say you were preaching and I was crying because it just hit me so hard. So listen to me, it's not about the emotion. It's about the decision to change your life. It's about the decision to get better because you can come down here and cry because you're sad and go back and lead the same life that you always led. So watch this. This is what repentance is. The Bible says it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. So I look at how good God is and go, Ooh, my life is bad. If that's good, there's a promise of restoration. I want that. I want to live that way. Watch you change your mind. Do you know that as I'm preaching, even today, as I was talking about the promise of God, some of you are like, I want that. I want to believe for that. You know what's happening in your mind? You're repenting right here. You're going, I'm going to believe that. I'm going to change my mind. I want to think that way. That's repentance is happening all around this room. Come on, somebody. Right? And I love when you come up. I love all that. But what I'm saying is that we got to be careful when we're looking for all of these outside things, when really the Greek word metanoia for repentance is changing your mind. And if you will change your mind, you will change the way you live. If you will believe right, you will live right. Come on, somebody. And so I've got to change my mind. And this is what Peter is saying. Listen, Peter is saying this, repent, change your mind. And there's not going to be times of refreshing in your life until you change change the way you think. Now, let me tell you some of the things that I've had to repent for. I've had to repent for thinking too small. Do you know the Bible says that what not is not faith is sin? Do you know that that's pretty, what is not of faith is sin. So when I'm not believing God the way I should, sin simply means that I'm missing the mark. I'm going to miss the mark in my life when I'm not believing like I should. And I think too small, right? I think too small. And as we're talking about 
changing our mind. Romans chapter five, verse 17 in the message says this. I love this. It says, if death got the upper hand through one man's wrongdoing, that was Adam. Adam in the beginning, he made everything wrong by his decision, right? That was not the way that we were supposed to live, right? But Adam, people ask me all the time, you know, if there is a God, you know, why is there such bad things? Because there's people. Can I go here with you for just a moment? Because I think about this, and I'm sorry, I think different, I think weird. But I just want you to know, God did not have to make humanity. He was fine all by himself. But he wanted someone who he could pour himself into and love. And with humanity, he gave humanity a choice. He didn't have to put the tree in the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. My church family, it was never God's intention for you to know evil. And I wanna say this. Some of us have experienced loss because we've experienced evil people. And I'm sorry there's evil people in the world. And I'm sorry that maybe growing up, your parents weren't good. I'm sorry you should have had good parents. And if that helps you, I just wanna let you know that I'm just letting you know that was never God's intent. Well, why did God let it happen? He let it happen because when he gave you free will and he gave you his word that you could choose, he never goes back on his word. And you can choose some of the dumbest and stupidest and evilest things. But let me just tell you, my church family, that's not God. That's a dumb choice that we're making. And some of us have received that are on the recipient of a dumb choice that other people, people made, right? But I'm talking about today when Adam made that decision, God put the, the, um, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in there. Why? To give Adam a choice. And he chose wrong. But the Bible says that Jesus is called the second Adam, where the first Adam totally blew it and watch this and made a decision on a tree. The second Adam would come and hang on a tree for humanity so we could be restored and forgiven and have a relationship with God. And if we'll change our mind and repent and say, God, I want you to be my savior. I don't want to be my savior. Forgive me of the stuff that I've done. I receive your forgiveness. We can repent, right? And experience these times of refreshing. Romans 5, 17, if death got the upper hand through one man's wrongdoing, watch this. Can you imagine, can you imagine the breathtaking recovery life makes, the message translations says. It's so interesting to me how our imaginations can just run wild. It's amazing to me how we can let our imaginations run wild on everything that can go wrong and would go wrong. Our imaginations just go there. How many of you know you choose what you think about? Now, thoughts may come, but you choose whether you're going to meditate on it. But I think it's human nature and in our imagination that we just let it run wild on things that went wrong, right? And all the things that you don't have. Isn't it funny? What if today we would change our mind? What if today we would repent and we would switch our imaginations from everything that could go wrong and did go wrong to everything this year that could go right and will go right? What if we put our imagination on what God can do, not what what has happened, but what he can do and the re restoration process that he has for us. What about if we started thinking about what do I look like totally healed? What do I look like totally recovered? What does life look like for me totally restored? What if you start letting your imagination go that way instead of going to the pit of hell? Think about what God can do and let our imagination run wild with recovery. 
Come on, what do you look like, skinny? I'm sure there's an app for that. Come on, somebody. What do you look like totally healed? What would you be doing if you were totally restored? Woo! Why don't we let our imagination go that way? Romans 5, 17, can you imagine this breathtaking recovery life, sovereign life in those who, watch this, grasp with both hands this wildly extravagant life gift. What is the gift, Pastor Phil? The gift is the abundant life that Jesus came to give you. My church family, he gave it to you as a gift. Here's the thing about a gift. A gift is something that you benefit from, but you didn't pay for. Let me try this side. A gift is something that somebody gives you, you enjoy the benefit of, but you didn't pay for it. Hmm. I'm just paying for my sins. No, you're not. You couldn't pay enough. But you know what Jesus gave you? He gave you forgiveness, his holiness, and his righteousness. You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. But you know what? We are the benefits, the benefactors of all of that if we would just receive it and change our mind. Let me just tell you a real quick story. I tell this in Growth Track. You should go. But we had a guy who was helping in their setup team. And don't they do a phenomenal job? These guys do an incredible job. We're just working on the lights to kind of make me a little thinner, but we'll, we'll, we'll get to that point. We had a guy that was helping us and, and he's since moved on and, and uh, he came and, and I said, hey man, how's it going? He goes, you know what, I'm just here helping. He's like, man, I'm just glad I'm helping because you know, I'm paying for my sins. And I said, what? He said, yeah, I'm paying for my sins. I said, oh, you're paying for your sins by setting up the church. I said, well then you're not doing enough. Like we got a trailer out there, got to wash the trailer. You got to clean, if we're going to pay for sins, come on, you, you know where I'm headed? But he thought setting up a speaker was going to pray, pay for his sins. My church family, you can set up the church, be in church every single week and never pay for your sins because that's not what God wanted. God didn't want you to pay. He paid by sending his son Jesus to die on the cross so you can have a way to the father. Come on. <laughs> Repent. Now, listen, when you talk like this, people are like, oh, he says it's okay to sin. You're giving people a license to sin. People don't need a license to sin. They're doing it pretty good by themselves. But again, my imagination is going to go to the grace of God, how good he is. And I want to receive, right? But recovery is a choice. And I love what Romans 5, 17, it says, this gift of this extravagant life grasped with both hands, this wildly extravagant life. My church family, we do not serve an ordinary God. We do not serve a barely get by God. We have a wildly extravagant God. Come on. He is wildly extravagant God. He's not the God of life. He's the God of the abundant life. He's not just the life, but the abundant life. And here's what he does. He gives it all to you and receive it. Pastor Phil, I'm just not worthy. You weren't worthy by yourself, but if you'll repent and change your mind, times of refreshing, the Amplified says it's like a cool breeze on a hot day. Whoo, can you feel that cool breeze on a hot day? Times of refreshing come when we repent. Yeah, you're not worthy, but here's what happens. When Jesus died on the cross, 
and forgave you. Now you're worthy, not because of you, but because of what he did in your life. And now we can come boldly before his throne room because he's given us this wildly extravagant life. How many of you receive that? I just kind of feel today you're receiving it. I can feel that you're, you're receiving that. And then Romans 5, 17, the message, the grandstanding, everything right. That's what restoration is. It's restitution is another definition. It talks about Jesus making everything right. Can I ask you a question? What would your life look like if Jesus made everything right? But first, what he's going to do is he's going to make you right. Your thinking. Come on. Do you choose to be recovered? Will you choose to be restored? I think some of you, the fully restored you would be loving on people again. The fully restored you wouldn't be speaking down to people. The fully restored you would be building people up. The fully restored healthy you would actually be helping other people to their destiny because you're getting to your destiny. That's what the, and you know what? My church family, that is the life that God has for us. That you're not always working, worrying about who's trying to shuck and jive you. You are giving and loving people unconditionally. The fully recovered, restored you is healthy, has a financial plan that's healthy. Come on, somebody, has a body that is healthy. Come on, say, I'm getting my life back. I'm getting my life back. But we've got to choose it. And in the process of choosing, this times of refreshing, here's number three. Are you glad you came to church today? We need to keep our heart tender in tough times. Why is this important? Your heart is the filter. Your heart, the Bible says, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. In other words, your spirit, sometimes the, the Bible uses heart and spirit. It's the inner, the core you. That's where God's going to speak. If that filter, for us guys who know we have to change our filters at our house, right? For air conditioning, heating, we have to change filters in our car. If once that filter gets clogged and gets dirty, what happens? That fluid can't pass through. And what I'm saying is that God wants to do some extravagantly wonderful things in our lives in 2020, but he's going to speak to your heart. If that filter in tough times gets hard, you could miss what God has for you. And let me tell you, in loss, it's very easy to get hard. In loss, it's very easy to get numb, to get numb. I don't know if you've ever been there. I've been there. I just don't feel it anymore. I don't feel nothing anymore. And it's almost easier to be numb because then you don't have to care anymore. I just don't care. Here's the problem. God wants to speak to you. And if the filter is all jacked up, you're like, man, I want God. And he is, he's right there. He will speak to you. Can I just add this to you? You know, last two years, I've just decided I'm going to get more into God's word, more praying. I'm just going to do more. Not for religious reasons. For me, you know, I have never felt more closer to God in the last two years than I've ever felt in my life. But you know what? I'm diving into his word. I'm reading and I'm praying. But there have been times in my life that I have felt very distant. And it wasn't because my, it was because my reading wasn't where it needed to be. It was because my praying wasn't where it wasn't me. He wasn't speaking, but the truth was he was speaking. Open up your Bible. God will speak to you every single day through his word. But is your heart tender? Some people get hard in tough times. Some people will say, Pastor Phil, I've lost my life. 
Is it possible to get my life back? It's not only possible, my church family, it is so God's desire. Here's number four when we talk about restoration. When God restores, it's always more than what you lost. It's always more. Now, when we talk about restoration, a lot of us think about, especially guys, like we watch these car shows where they're restoring old cars. But if you watch those shows, even in those shows, they still add new stuff to it because some of those parts they don't make anymore, right? So but when we think about restoration, we always think about, it's easy to think restoring to the original. Well, sometimes the original can come back, but listen, sometimes the original doesn't. You say, I lost a friendship, Pastor Phil, and they do not want restoration. That's okay, but can I tell you, you can be restored. And here's what God can do. God can restore better relationships in your life than you ever had before. He can do that if you allow restoration to come. Well, you know what, Pastor Phil? I've gone through a divorce and I want that husband. I know, and it's tough to say, or I want that wife and it didn't work out. So how can restoration happen? He may not really restore that person, but what he will do is he can bring new relationships into your life and restore them so they are better than they were before. It's funny to me how we'll make decisions on something that one person did in our life two people did in our life. And it's like we blanket the whole world because, oh, these, these people or those people. Can I just tell you, God can do better than we did in the past. He can bring better relationships to your life. And when he restores, he does it more than what you lost. You know, my father passed away this last year and um, he passed away, he went to heaven. He wanted to go to heaven. I wanna encourage some people here today. If you have loved ones who you've lost, they're not sad in heaven. They're having a big old time, a big old time in the presence of God, talking to Moses, right? Elijah, talking to all these people. And we're down here like, oh my God. <laughs> I miss him so much. And they're in heaven, they're like, oh, what was your name? Like, I, I'm, I'm so happy. I'm so happy in heaven. Yes, we miss them. But can I encourage us? They're in heaven in the presence of Jesus. And let me say this, eternity is longer than our life. Life is like a vapor. So the time that we spend on earth without them will not even be compared to the time that we will spend with them in heaven. Come on, somebody, for eternity. <clears throat> So my dad went to heaven. There's nobody like my dad. There's nobody like my dad. But you know what God has done in these last five months? He has brought father figures in my life like never before that have helped me, that have encouraged me. And it's great. Like I really feel like I'm being fathered by some people in my life because of our connection. And all I'm saying to you is that God can do more than what you've lost. Look at this. Exodus chapter 22, verse one. This is under the law. This is under the law. If a man steals an ox or a sheep and kills it or sells it, he shall repay five oxen for an ox or four sheep for a sheep. My church family, this is under the law. Even under the law, you see 
two times more, three times more restoration, seven times more restoration. And my church family, we are not under law. You and I have better promises than this, the New Testament says. We are under the dispensation of grace. Can you imagine how much more God can do if under the law you would get restored two times, three times, seven times? Under grace, God can do much more than we even think. And I'm just telling you, I feel like the Lord told me to tell you today, he is giving you your life back. You can be happy today. You can be joyful today. He's going to restore to you the things that have been lost. Anybody believe that today? I want to encourage you for if you've lost people and they're in heaven, you can be happy. You know why they're happy? You can get your life back and move forward again. Now here's, I just want to end with these four things. Are you still glad you came? I like to give some practical things. We're going to jump into some other things next week, but the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Administration wrote four things about recovery that I thought were really interesting. And the first one they said is health. And here's what they said. For good recovery to happen, for recovery to happen, health, you need health. That's abstaining from alcohol, drug use. This includes illicit or prescribed or not prescribed drugs. Listen, now, I didn't come to pick a fight with you about alcohol today, but I'm gonna say this, alcohol is destroying people's lives, destroying people's lives. And I'll say this, and it didn't start that way. It started, Pastor Phil, the Bible says, a little alcohol is good for the belly. It's good for the belly seat. Wine is good for the belly seat. I understand that. But anything that is done in extreme and without moderation, I'm just gonna tell you, because I love you and I wanna see you fully restored. People started out with that scripture, started drinking socially, and then the socially became every single weekend. Then the weekend became, I need to have a glass of wine with every single meal that I eat. You know what? Now every day, just a little bit, every day, every day. And here's the problem with that. Alcohol is not your savior, Jesus is. And you start to worship at the floor of Jim Bean and Jack Daniels. I'm gonna tell you, it doesn't have the power to restore your life. It may numb the pain, but the pain comes back because it's not dealt with and the loss comes back. And, it's, and this is talking about not just unprescribed, but prescribed uh, medication, having a substance that's controlling your life. If a substance is controlling your life, ladies and gentlemen, you are not in control and your life is getting lost and you need to get your life back. And let me say this, God will help you. I'm not judging you today, I just wanna help you today. Say, God, help me with this, help me, and he will. Here's number two. They say you need a home, a stable and safe place to live for recovery. That's why at church you see all around here, welcome home, because this is a safe place of protection. You know what, you can recover here, we're gonna help you. Can I hear a good amen? Here's number three, and again, watch, this is secular research, this isn't even the Bible. Here's number three, you need a purpose. If you're gonna recover, watch, purpose they define as meaningful activity, meaningful. You know what? 
If you don't know your purpose, sign up for Growth Track. We're gonna help you find your purpose. Are you doing anything meaningful in your life? Is there something meaningful? meaningful? You can find something meaningful here to do at church. It'll be eternal, it'll help. And here's number four and I'm finished. They say you need community. Look how they describe community. Relationships, social networks that provide support, friendships, love, and hope. Hmm, that sounds like life groups. They didn't even give the Bible credit. That's Bible. We're better together. What's our definition of life groups? Relationships, social networks that provide friendships, love, and hope. And I love that word hope because you need people around you that are breathing hope into you. And I'm gonna tell you this, in Jesus' name, you can recover, you can be restored, and God can do more than you've lost. He can do more than before. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.